Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire episode 259. Today is Friday, June 30th, 2023. Right on the eve, guys. Right on the cusp of the 4th of the July weekend. We're going to go out with a bang, talking about Israel. That's what I'm talking about. It's going to be a great show. Before we get started, like, follow, subscribe, wherever you guys are listening to this. If you guys are listening on Spotify, make sure to follow the Elijah Fire podcast. That'll really help us out over there. And then wherever you guys are listening to this in audio form, make sure to give us an honest review, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and beyond. That'll really help us out as well. Also, I've been, I said this yesterday, and I'm going to be reminding you guys over the next consecutive weeks. No more donations to ElijahFire.com slash donate. All donations will go through ElijahStreams.com slash donate. Now, some of you guys that didn't see my announcement yesterday are going to be like, Jeff, what about my, my reoccurring donation? I need to know. Well, guess what? It's linked to your bank account, so it's fine. All that's good. Even if you set it up through ElijahFire.com slash donate, we're just trying to consolidate. It's easier for accounting, all that stuff. So Elijah fires under the Elijah streams banner, part of Elijah list ministry. So it works. So that's why it says in the intro, Elijah streams presents, you know, so Elijahstreams.com slash donate is how you guys donate. Also one last final thing is, um, uh, we have no shows on Monday or Tuesday, this Monday or Tuesday. So that's July 3rd and July 4th, because we're enjoying a wonderful four-day weekend, which I'm totally excited about. Going to nerd out with my family, going to play some board games. You know how I like to nerd out, guys. So it's going down. I'm excited. I'm going to eat a lot of food. Very excited about that. So it's going to be great. Um, So again, yeah, no shows Monday and Tuesday, July 3rd and 4th, but we are back in action on Wednesday, July 5th. That's going to be a really good show. I promise. Uh, we're still locking down the, tie, the the concept, but it's very exciting. It involves house churches. And I know you guys have been requesting you want more topics on house churches, how to, all that stuff. So it's something surrounding that. All right. Just to whet the appetite a little bit. Um, I'm excited. So, but I'm also excited about today. You know, you guys know I just got back from Israel in May. Um, and it was just an amazing experience. Um, but my guests today both love the nation of Israel, and um, are very well educated, much more than I am, to talk about the subject of why it still matters, um, why Israel still matters. And uh, so to introduce my guest, it's the COO and the media director of Restore 7. Let's give it up for my guest today, the husband and wife duo, Chris and Justice Keogh. Oh, it's both of them together. Here. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are here. Hello, hello. Uh, okay, so you know, I mentioned Restore Seven. There are a lot of people that know what Restore Seven is, but Chris, being the COO, what is Restore Seven? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Sure Putting you on the right. spot, man. So, are you going to show this to Johnny? I'm <laughs> <laughs> He's watching right now. Yes. No. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's right. Well, you know, Johnny and Elizabeth Enlow, Justice's parents, started this what, what twelve years ago. Restore Seven, actual the, the Restore Seven. Orders. I think it was actually longer than that. It was a longer than but, that. Yeah. 
Anyways, it's their nonprofit. It's an organization that really kind of our mandate is to echo a new narrative on the earth. And so obviously Johnny and Elizabeth's big thing is the Seven Mountain message. And so we do that in a bunch of different ways. We speak all over. We have books. We do podcasting. We're coming out with something called Restore7.tv um, over the next month, actually, which is a media platform where we're highlighting stories and content from people working on the Seven Mountains. So it's really all things Seven Mountain, um, just related to the kingdom of God um, right now. And so, you know, it's it was started by John and Elizabeth, uh, Justice's parents. In case you're like super don't know what we're talking about in the Seven Mountains, because yeah. some people don't. It's basically uh-huh. just the idea of like being salt and light in culture and, and helping build the kingdom of God here on earth. And, you know, having excellence in what we do, whatever our profession is, and recognizing that you're in ministry, whether you're a pastor mm-hmm. or a painter or a singer, whatever it is that you are, like you're you're in ministry. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Big fan. So, um, you know, backstage, you guys we were talking about um, I was telling you guys that I've been noticing some in certain spheres of Christendom, um, mostly progressive <laughs> spheres. Uh, yeah. There have been, there's a lot of beginning, a lot of criticism, even within the church of the nation of Israel, criticizing the nation itself, asking if supporting it is even a relevant thing anymore. Why does it even matter? But the other important ingredient to that, that I've noticed is it's being fed. Their information is being fed outside of the Bible. And as we know, covenants with God are very important. Um, God has made covenants with the nation of Israel. Historically, we see that in the Bible. Um, But a lot of these kind of, it's extra biblical sources coming in. It could be celebrities. It can be media, um, you know, bringing in criticism. And they admire that, that celebrity or they're bringing, taking in that, that media source. And then it's like, suddenly they're like, yeah, why do we need, why does Israel matter? Yeah. And they start criticizing everything. So I have been actually noticing that happening in some churches. Um, so why don't you guys talk a little bit about your guys's experience with Israel? Um, and then we can just jump in. Awesome. We'll start with Sure. My, my experience <laughs> is shorter and shorter story than Chris's, mm-hmm. but it's actually, it kind of is like connected to how we even met and mm-hmm. what connect us with each other. Um, I went to Israel for the first time when I was 13. So I was pretty young being able to go for the first time, had no idea really what I was getting into. I knew like generic Bible stories. Um, I'll say I hadn't really read the Bible for myself at that point. And being there, I was like, hold on. These stories are real. Like I knew they're real, but like when you go, I'm sure you've experienced this. And if you've been before, yeah. you've experienced this, like you're, you realize this isn't just real. Like Christians believe this, like scholars believe this, that this stuff really happened. The majority of it. Um, and, you know, as believers, we believe all of it happened. Uh, mm. And so it was, it was super impacting just in that sense. And it made me want to go home and like read my Bible more. And and from then on reading my Bible, it just was so alive being like, this really happened. This is a real place that exists. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and God actually came to earth. Like, this is crazy. So for me, that, that was my first time when I was 13. I got to go back um, right before Chris and I met. And my sister and her husband met on that trip. It was crazy. It was kind of like a yeah. very um, God-ordained prophetic trip. So uh, got to go back now as someone who had, you know, really made my relationship with God my own and read the Bible 
much more extensively than I had when I was 13. <laughs> and I had also, the Lord had put it on my heart a few years before that to start observing the biblical feast from the Old Testament. And so I had by myself, none of the rest of my family was interested in this. I didn't have any <laughs> friends who were interested in this. Just started celebrating the biblical feasts um, like Rosh Hashanah and uh, Yom Kippur, yeah, Sukkot, Passover. And so literally it would be like me reaching out to my friends like, hey, I know you have no idea what this holiday is. And you know that I'm not Jewish, but you want to come celebrate this with me. Mm -hmm. And so they would come over and I would just teach them what I had been learning. And we'd have a lot of fun with it. Wow. And uh, so when Chris and I met, actually, I don't remember. One of us started talking about this and I was like, you do the same thing. I never met somebody who was a Christian who observed the feast, who wasn't weird. And I'm sure that's a little true. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's okay. Like weird people are awesome too, but it was like, you know, it wasn't my time for like someone that I wanted to marry. And Uh so talking with him, like he was just so normal. And then he's like, yeah, I've been observing the feast for 10 years. And I had just come back from my second trip to Israel and been there and been able to, again, like reconnect with just another level of depth now that I had been like observing some of these like traditions of our faith that I think have been forgotten. And then being in the land with that and then coming back and meeting Chris, it was, it was really amazing. So this last trip we just did in April. April. Uh, yeah, you guys we, you guys went like right after we right after you guys. Yeah. I think we yeah. like kind of overlapped yeah. in the air. Yeah. Um, High five in the air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got to go with Chris this time and he'll share about like his experiences there, but he had lived there, so he got to show me the places that he went when he lived there, the building yeah. he lived in. And we also have uh, a five month old who is three months old at the time that we took with us. So we're kind of a little bit crazy because we brought him with us. Um, but it was really, really special having yeah, yeah. these really significant life experiences that God has connected for both of us totally. and me in particular, and as I'm sharing um, with Israel. And so uh, it, it's just such a special, special place for me and now for us yeah. and for our family and yeah. somewhere we're going to continue. Um, just even from personal interest standpoint, investing in going back to. Yeah. I used to live there. I lived there for a couple of years. And so I was, I was about, I guess, 23 to 25 is when I lived there. Um, I've been back probably 10 or 15 times since then. Um, and that's a much longer story, but I, <laughs> I actually was very resilient or a very uh, standoffish to the feasts. I mean, all the people that I was hanging out with in Jerusalem when I was there, you know, like people that like use Yeshua and the, the very, it's very like Western Christians, but they've totally embraced that culture. And I was actually kind of judgmental of it all, to be honest with you, when mm. I first got over there. Um, and the Lord kind of shifted my heart, you know, in some ways to towards that in a way mm. that I think was was really awesome. But I, mm. I lived over there. Um, and then I, you know, one of the main things that I did is I worked with an organization. So I, I guess it was in 1993 um, through 2000, there was something called... Uh, Israel apartheid week that started, I think it started on Toronto university. Um, it was a really big thing where they would just basically go out and just destroy Israel saying, you know, Israel's an apartheid state. They're doing this to the Palestinians. And so I think in 2007, we started something called Palestinian human rights week where we, we would go to the same Ivy league schools. We would go to Toronto university. We would go to Stanford. We'd go to Oxford. We'd go to these big universities and we would debate um, basically on who is responsible for the uh, Palestinian human rights issues that were happening in Israel. Wow. And our whole thing is, they, yeah. this is actually, 
housing authority that that is purporting a lot of this stuff that you know you guys are you guys are upset about and so you know that was kind of uh for me in the fire if you will <laughs> of of really having to engage um yeah. you know and this was coming on this is more of a political thing it was less spiritual um from that standpoint i mean the heart of it was spiritual but right. you're not going to be debating biblical ideas at this point right you know, but it just you know it, it was very much um you know, it just I've, I've kind of I've kind of interacted with a lot of angles of the Israel question. I think over the last fifteen years. So, yeah. So, guys, why why does Israel matter? I mean, you know, it's a nation that was formed a long time ago, and um, there's been a lot of contention over this land uh, over the course of centuries mm-hmm. and centuries and centuries. Why, why does Israel still matter? Why is it still a relevant conversation? Yeah, yeah again, go. what I have to say is shorter. Um, except maybe I'll make it longer. You never know. <laughs> you can just space um, all your words out, Justice, and then it's yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, and Chris is going to get more into this, I think, like, foundationally, because God gave it to Abraham and his descendants. Like, that's, like, a really, um, you know basic spiritual if you're if you're a believer and you believe in the bible like there's a really easy answer um another verse that for me is has really stood out to me over the years when we're talking about this issues issue is uh first kings 9 3 and it says the lord said to him i have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me and i have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually so this is talking about when Um, the temple was built and the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in the temple in the Holy of Holies. He said he was going to cause his name, his heart and his eyes to be there perpetually forever. And so this is the place where to this day, like God has chosen for his name to be known for his heart and his eyes to be present there. And that's like, what does that even mean? I don't even know. I feel like we, we have no idea like what that really means. It's a mystery. Um, But clearly that's significant. And that promise that he made, I mean, that was, it was a promise he made to the Davidic line. Um, and that's the line that eventually Jesus came through. So his promises to David and David's descendants, I mean, are ones that he has clearly never turned his back on. He hasn't turned his back on any of them, but we've seen evidence of that even through Jesus. And so for him to make that, that promise um, to me is like super significant again. Okay. God has chosen this place Outside of any other question, we can just like let our hearts rest in the fact that first of all, it was promised to Abraham and his descendants, which are Israeli Israelites, mm-hmm. the Jews now, and that he made this promise to have his name and his heart and his eyes dwell there forever in Jerusalem. Yeah. So that's like pretty significant to me. Yeah. Definitely. And I, I would just add to that, you know, I think that, you know, we all, I feel like the, the amazing thing about the story of Israel is I, th- I feel like it's the story of every one of our individual lives in the sense that God kind of takes us, he forms us out of nothing. He frees us from bondage, from slavery. You know, I mean, he basically makes us his own, you know, the, the, the really the story of Israel is the story of every believer's walk out of darkness into light, essentially, you know? And so there's a metaphor, there's a picture there that I think is really, really significant. Um, but I also just think that, you know, one of the clearest things that we can look at in a world that's totally in chaos um, and totally in upheaval and just say, you know, is God someone who keeps his word? And, you know, is, is he, can I trust, can I trust the Lord? Um, I think one of the amazing things that we can look at as a picture on the earth right now is the nation of Israel. 
Um, you know, and I really think that that's kind of the point. I think that the nation of Israel and the Jewish people are like a trophy to God. I mean, he actually says this, that like, I'm going to do these things among you and with your nation, not because like you guys are righteous, not because of anything that you've done. I'm doing it so that my name will be great. And so for me, it's about recognizing the greatness of who God is through Israel and the Jewish people, um, because it says something about the character of God. So to me, that's, I also just think it's on just a side note. It's so interesting how, why do we talk about Israel? Like it's such a small nation. It's small. Uh Like, why is it always in the news? Why, why does it, why is there so much online discourse about the Jews about, you know, why is it always just like, it doesn't matter what's going on. There's always some component of it that relates back to the Jewish people in Israel. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think even in that there's, there's obviously spiritual tension around that, that, you know, there's two sides that are really like essentially warring over this nation. And so I think that it's, it's just very obvious to me that God is still actively working and that, that, that there's stuff still in play there. Yeah. Yeah, Well, and it's interesting that you bring that up because that was one of the things that was so um, eye opening for me was, and it's interesting, you know, cause I was, I was thinking about all the different over the, the course of history. So there's been so much contention over this small piece of land, yeah. right? It's like what the size of New Jersey or something like that. Yeah, um, totally. something like that, but I mean, you can drive through it pretty quick, you know, and like hours. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it's interesting because I was thinking about, I'm like, it really, even though I couldn't quite, it was, I think it was more on a spiritual level, but I was like, it really does feel like the center of the world. And I think a lot of that yeah. is there, there's a spiritual component of like, th- that's the first nation that God ever was like, this yeah. is, this is mine. You are my people, the only nation, yeah. really, you know, like, um, but um, like you were saying, Chris, of it being like a trophy for God. Um, yeah. And so it was really interesting though, being there and just being like, I was talking to the Lord and I was like, even though I can't quite verbalize like how and why I get it now, it really does feel like the center of the world. You know, it's just interesting. Totally. I think, yeah, I think we would agree with that for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful being there, just experiencing, it's like you're talking about that, that spiritual, like, like you said, you can't quite articulate it, but you can feel this contention yeah. over the place. Um, even emotionally, you feel it while you're there, which I'm sure is like the spirit realm kind of mm-hmm. going on. But but it's it's very very interesting. Yeah. Just if you've never been there before, you got to try to go sometime. First of all, mm-hmm. it's absolutely worth every penny that you you have to put towards it, um, and just to experience this place, the spiritual atmosphere yeah. of it you, you feel that worrying. Totally. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because I felt it, especially in Jerusalem, because you have very prominent sections of that city, you know, Christian, Arab, Jewish. And I felt the tension there, even though I didn't observe any, you know, head butting or anything like that, but I felt it. And I was talking to someone else about it and they, they said the exact same thing. They're like, Oh, it totally, no, it, um, and so it was like cool being in Jerusalem, but at the same time, I was just like, I, I just felt yeah. the entire time we were there, I felt that tension, you know, so. it was the most intense place I've ever lived. Like the hands yeah. down. I mean, the work there, you know, I mean, I would, I've never dreamed like I've dreamed in Jerusalem. Um, you know, I've never, you know, there's, 
you're constantly experiencing, you know, demonic stuff as well. Like there, there's, it's undoubtable, especially when you live there, like when you're there for like a extended period of time, you can feel the heaviness of these kind of three major religions, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, like going at each other. You know, there's something that's happening there that is just, you just can't avoid it. And then even within yeah. the Christianity, you have the, the different sects of Christianity yeah. also mm-hmm. almost at war with each other too. It's, yeah, it's really fascinating. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Yeah. Well, Chris, how long did you live in Jerusalem Did when you were there? Because you were there for two years in Israel, right? How long yeah. were you in Jerusalem? How long did you live there? I lived, Jerusalem. I've lived in Jerusalem every time I've been there. Um, okay. You had you know, a brief time in the desert, right? Yeah. I mean, I would take trips and stuff okay. and it's like the desert, Tel Aviv, like, to the Golan Heights, stuff like that. But I, I always lived primarily in Jerusalem. Crazy. Yeah. I can't imagine nice. living there. Like people who've lived there for their whole lives. That's wild yeah, to me. It is. I know. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, um, I see this note here. It's talking about the four different covenants in the old Testament and yeah. why the a- a- Abrahamic covenant still matters. Cause again, uh, that's another dude, debate is like, Oh, like what, you know, like, that was back then. This is now. We don't totally. need to worry about it anymore. You know, so. Well, that's kind of the question, right? And I think, first of all, we're living in like a super postmodern time of the church yeah. where mm-hmm. a whole like very obvious things about reality are being thrown out. Yeah. Um, so it should be not shocking yeah. at all that, that the Israel question would also come come to that point. You know, but I think if we look at this biblically, um, you know, there's four major covenants in Scripture. And I think that this is important because. How often have you heard someone say, like, you know, we don't do that anymore. Like God or Jesus took away like the Old Testament. That's something like, you know, we're, we're free of that. And they're kind of lumping like the entire story of anything pre-Jesus into this idea that Jesus has kind of fulfilled all this stuff. Paid right? the debt for Paid it. Paid the debt of it. And there's, there's aspects of that are, that are super true. Sure. Um, but when you think about that as kind of a, like the entirety of the Old Testament, like is that that statement doesn't work for, for yeah. the entire book, you know? And so there's four major covenants in scripture, five, if you count the new covenant, which is what Jesus came, but you know, you have the, the Noah covenant where God says he won't destroy the earth. Again, you have the Abrahamic covenant, which is basically where God promises to Abraham that he's going to make his descendants great. And then he outlines the land he's going to give him. Um, you have the Mosaic covenant, which is the covenant that actually Jesus did remove or fulfill when he died on the cross. You know, the Mosaic covenant was the one that has to do with sin and death. The so law when, when Moses, as they say, the law of Moses, exactly. Yeah. And so that is the covenant that was fulfilled with Jesus. But these, the other four covenants, which are the Noah, the Abrahamic and the Davidic um, in the new covenant, those are all still in play. You know, the Davidic covenant was the one that was, that, you know, that was basically, was promised to David that his someone from his line would serve on the throne forever, which eventually was Jesus. So cool. Yeah, and that is really cool. Yeah. And so the significance of this is that the Noah, the Noah covenant, the Abraham covenant, and the David covenant, they were unconditional covenants, mm-hmm. which means that there was nothing the other party had to do. With the Mosaic covenant, God said, Hey, if you do these these things, these blesses, these blessings and curses. If you do these things, then I promise I'll do this. So there was kind of this conditional thing with this, More you know, and you kind s- of transactional sort of, if you want to use transactional, that exactly, you know, yeah. but and even with the Mosaic covenant, you have a lot of debate about like, are we still supposed to, you know, 
function under some level, like the Ten Commandments or like the the moral issues. Uh, but what's universally agreed upon is that Jesus paid the price for sin. He yeah. paid, like when, that's. But there's no longer a blood sacrifice needed for sin, you know. Right. And so that's the whole. So that's the that's the covenant that Jesus dealt with. But the Abrahamic covenant, you know, God basically comes to to Abraham. He puts him to sleep, which is so crazy. Think about this. Yeah. He puts them to sleep, you know, and then he cuts this animal. He passes through it as a torch on behalf of Abraham. Like basically, he's making a covenant with himself, saying, you know, I promise to give you give you all these descendants, to give you this land. Basically, all the things that people get really upset about Israel about, God is promising to himself that he's going to do this to Abraham. And so I think yeah, it's important dude. that we realize that that, like, either that's eternal or nothing is. Like, I don't know any other way to think about it. Like, it's like either God is a man of his word, yeah. quote unquote, you know, or he's not, you know. And so for me, one of the things about Israel that's so significant is just trying to really kind of get my head around this unconditional covenant that God made with Abraham. You know, this yeah. was not something that has been fulfilled with Jesus. This is something that's still, it's perpetual. It's its in play forever, you know? And so mm -hmm. yeah, that's how thats how I kind of approach the larger question of Israel and the Jewish people. As I, as I look at that covenant, you know, I think it's important, you know, it's kind of, it can be kind of heady and a little bit theological and boring, but it is good. Under, it's good to understand, you know, these four major covenants, understanding yeah. how they, what is still relevant for today, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to add anything to that. I think you covered it pretty okay. well. <laughs> well, so my question about like, cause number one, I never thought of that about, I mean, I obviously the, the mosaic covenant. Yes. The fulfillment of that covenant. Yes. But you know, Noah, I mean, I guess now that I'm thinking about it as out loud, cause I'm an outward processor. Um, I, I, yeah, the, the Noah covenant, I was like, yeah, obviously that is, that is still in play today. Uh, and then the the covenant with Abraham and the 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 Davidic covenant as well. The Davidic one seems like it was fulfilled. I mean, because yeah, Jesus did. Totally. Kind of, he was like but the it's end of that. Still happening, kind of, you know, in a sense. Well, yeah, Jesus okay, he's he's still alive. Yeah, he's still right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The important thing to understand is that the three covenants, the Abrahamic, the Noah, and the Davidic, were mm -hmm. unconditional covenants. The Mosaic was a conditional covenant. It was a transactional covenant that, that you know, God talks about with Moses in Exodus 19 and Exodus 24, where he says, if you do these things, then I will do this. But if you don't do these things, then I will, then I will take my hand away. You know, the blessings and curses, essentially. And so, and it's really the covenant that deals with sin and death primarily. And so yeah. that was the thing Jesus came to fulfill. So it's just kind of good to have a, an understanding of that um, because you, you hear people, you know, another thing in the church is that, you know, the, the Jewish people have sinned so, so badly that God has taken his hand off them. And now the church has replaced them as the primary beneficiary of the spiritual inheritance and the spiritual gifts. And, you know, there are, there, we could, we'll talk a little bit about that, but there, there, I just think it's important that we have a, have a framework and a ground, ground level understanding of, of this covenant with Abraham. Well, and yeah. how the thing, I don't understand how they, the believers who believe that we've replaced Israel understand the whole concept of being grafted in. Like what are we grafted into as Gentiles, as non-Jews, if uh, Israel's, if God's promises to Israel are not still mm -hmm. standing, like we, we're not, it, it didn't change with Jesus. He didn't like shift his affection from Israel to now 
everybody but Israel. He said now he's making a way for us to come and be a part of this, to be a part not because of birth like Israelites mm-hmm. had and or because of the Torah, but because of Jesus allowing us to be grafted into that original root. Yeah. So the original root still has to exist. So to say that the that the the new covenant under Jesus takes away um the the original root that we're grafted into, mm-hmm. I think is kind of missing a whole point. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that Paul makes that same case in Romans yeah. 9 through 11. It's probably the clearest place in the New Testament um, that talks about God's future plans with the Jewish people in Israel. Um, so, you know, I definitely recommend people to read that section of scripture as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it kind of goes with that saying that the for every Christian, I don't care how progressive you are, our we, I think it's safe to say that our posture towards Israel should be it's found how we're supposed what am I trying to say it's found in the Bible so (laughs) your your posture should should be dictated by what God himself has said about the nation of Israel and what he's going to do totally that nation yeah and you know it's in the in the same you know in the same hand, God has all also given the Arab nations promises, and He has He's said things about uh, Ishmaelites, calling on them too. So it's not there's not like not one is better than the other. You know, it's really just like saying, okay, God is crafted all things to represent some purpose that He's trying to do. You know, and you just don't want to confuse the purposes of two separate things. You know, and so that's the thing that you know God loves both nations. He loves both people. It's just it's it's about I think it's more about us falling into alignment with what scripture says. So, you know, that we have, you know, we can, we can really be in line with, I think what God is trying to do right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't want to derail maybe the direction you wanted to go. Maybe we can save this for the end or, you know, in a little bit, but one thing I was thinking about is, you know, obviously like we can, it's a it's an easier conversation. Maybe it's not, Chris. I mean, I think you can speak more to this, but easier conversation to talk to Christians about the significance of Israel than it is non-Christians about the where does that conversation start with non-believers? You know, like that's the question I'm really curious about because they they could really just anytime that I've talked to other people or just listened, they really double down on human rights issues. And you yeah. mentioned the Palestinian nation, all that stuff. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Can I I say something first? I don't think that it's, I think it's actually easier to talk to non-spiritually minded people about it because they don't use God as an excuse. Yeah. Wow. To ignore a people group. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think that, so you know, there's it, you know, if you're obviously, if you're talking to someone where you can't use the Bible as a, as kind of a Rosetta stone for reality, then there are a lot of really, I mean, there's amazing things that the nation of Israel does that none of the nations around, uh, around them do. I mean, there, it, it is, it is an absolute truth that most of the Palestinians would so much prefer to live in the nation of Israel than to live in any of the Palestinian territories because they know that they're going to have a much better life than under the Palestinian authority. Um, you know, and that that's just like a fact, you know, because the human rights in Israel are, are they're the best in the Middle East. I mean, I as much as I don't like the fact that Tel Aviv is called the gay capital of the world, that's how open a place like Israel actually is. I mean, you could literally be anything there. 
So this idea that they're human rights abuser, this is just a talking point that you see online. You know, I mean, it, it was actually in 1948 when the state of Israel was established. I mean, they were willing in 1948 to accept a two-state solution. And what happened is that they were attacked by their five surrounding Arab nations and the Palestinians. And so that has just been, there's just been series of battles and wars since 1948 based around that idea. And it's only in like the last 30 or 40 years I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, we're in a victim um, oppressor narrative right now. Oh, yeah. All, all, all sorts of things, right? Um, and so people look at Israel, which is hilarious, right? This this country of 7 million people that's the size of New Jersey right now. And, they're, and they, they're accusing them of oppressing, you know, essentially the Palestinians, which is really just like a part of the Arab nation, which is 99% of the Middle East. And somehow they can still say that Israel is the oppressor in this scenario, you know, and it's, mm -hmm. it's really a deception in the media um, that people think this way. But I think that if you're talking to an honest and open-minded person, the case that you can make for Israel being an incredible place for human rights is it's just unquestionable. Like the, the realities that exist are, I mean, it's the only place in the Middle East that where women can vote for one thing. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's the gay rights issues. They will literally, before they go into Gaza, they'll flyer the entire area and say, hey, we're going to be taking out this building that has been firing rockets. You've got five hours to get out of here before we take this building out. I mean, there's no army in the world that would do that kind of stuff, you know? And right. so what what we're in, like, with everything right now is we're in a, we're in a propaganda war, primarily. Oh, yeah. Big time. Where you can just say these statements um, – over and over online and there's just really no no way to truly fact check something like this you know and i think that there's kind of this idea that israel is a you know they call it an apartheid state they call it um you know they think it exists because of american imperialism even though you know you can dig anywhere <laughs> within you know 500 miles of jerusalem and find something that has hebrew on it and that's been there for thousands of years um you know you it doesn't matter that this whole nation was established after 1948 and World War II by basically a group of ragtag um, starving Jews who yeah. miraculously, that's an amazing thing. If you studied the foundation uh, yeah. of it, the wild. miracles that happened, it's wild, dude. It's wild. Yeah. And I think that there's no way it's not that, God. That there's there's there. no way it's not God. Totally. Yeah. And, and I think that I've seen, I've seen that one issue actually switch a lot of unbelievers because um, they don't know what to make of these stories. You know, they don't know how, what do you what do you what do you say to an Israeli pilot who, um, you know, who tells you that all of a sudden he just saw angel armies like all around him? Seriously, like as he's flying this yeah, one plane cool. against forty other Arab planes. I mean, and there's just there's nothing that makes sense with it. So it's I think it was Ben Gurion who said in order to live in Israel, um, in order to be a realist in Israel, you have to believe in miracles, um, wow. <laughs> which I think is such a I great that's great, great. Line. yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you can make a very strong human rights uh, case for Israel, which is how we always did it when we were talking yeah. about believers. Especially having yeah. been to like a couple of different Arab nations myself, um, the experience yeah. in Middle Eastern nations, the experience being in Israel as a woman and the safety I feel there versus being other places and there, there's just there's no comparison yeah. israel really is like an island of human rights in a sea of middle eastern lack of human rights yeah. where you have sharia law and you have mm -hmm. um 
you know, people literally getting stoned for being gay, uh, you know, in nations next door and the nations that want to destroy them. And Israel is it's flourishing. Yeah, flourishing. You, you have freedom. And of course, you have the things that come along with freedom, which are people who are going to use that poorly. But that's so much better than than this forced, you know, literal murdering and genocide yeah. of, of people groups that's happening in Middle Eastern nations all yeah. around Israel. I'll tell you that there's no one that treats the Palestinians as bad as the Palestinians treat the Palestinians. Yeah. I, I yeah, don't really know what to say. Yep. It's so sad. It's just, it's just the way it is. No one wants to hear that. And, uh, you know, they'll stone you online for saying that. That's just the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I have a question. Why I, I've been noticing like, uh, well, actually, hold on. I'll hold off on that. I have it written down, so I won't forget. I promise. But um, Justice, you had mentioned um, very briefly about why you think it's easier to talk to non-Christians about Israel than Christians. And you said, because they use God as a crutch. Is it just the whole thing you guys were talking about, about how like there's a lot of people that believe that you know, Christians replaced Jews in terms of, being the beneficiaries or is there more to it than that? It's a good question. I'm honestly not really sure. Cause it's something we talk about yeah. a lot there. There's even like different um, believers that we follow online who, who we really respect their teachings and other things, but they will make fun of you for being a Zionist for supporting the nation of Israel as a Christian. Um, yeah, they, they kind of love Christian you're... nationalism with supporting yeah, Israel so and like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they say that you're you're worshiping Israel. You're like mm-hmm. creating an idol of it, which I think is just. I mean, I, I don't know. I would love to have a discussion with these people because, from my perspective, what it looks like is that they just, um, first of all, probably haven't been there. Second, are are just not understanding the significance of this place, like the verses that we've talked about. There's something significant about that. There's something significant about even what Chris said of like a people group as an example to the rest of us, a tangible example of like the nature of God, that he keeps his promises, that he's good, that he's faithful, even when we are completely unfaithful, you know, like Israel kept over and over again, turning their back on God and he never turned his back on them. Um, and, and, you know, obviously like throughout the prophets and everything, there's different like dramatized ways of talking about this, where it, it says he divorces people, but he, he, he always came back to them. Um, and he didn't, he didn't, there was no permanent, um, erasure of uh, the promises that he made. And so I don't, I don't know why, um, Christians make fun of other Christians for like supporting Israel. And, you know, of course, in every group of people, there's going to be people who are like, a little weird and talking about things in a weird way. And maybe those are the only people they've interacted with Mm -hmm. about Israel. But Mm -hmm. yeah, to me, there's just no getting around like the significance of it spiritually. And even from a completely secular mindset, it's clearly such an important place. The fact that there are human rights in Israel and there are human rights violations in essentially every other Middle Eastern nation Mm -hmm. Uh, that should say something to people. And and it really has been a very successful um, propaganda war by the other side that has that has caused people to see it in the other way. And I don't even know how they've done that. There's got to be, there's some, I don't, not to it's be a conspiracy no, theorist, but there, I mean, there's, but like, there's something It makes me wonder, there. it really does. Yeah, who, who's yeah. funding that? Because right. uh, 
I mean, there's gotta be a lot of money that's being put into that. I mean, if you, if you go on TikTok and you see there are little ads that are paid for like talking about the human rights violations of Israel against uh-huh. Palestine, like human rights don't exist in the yeah. Middle East outside. Right. Oh yeah, no. They do exist. So to me, that's why it's a lot easier to talk about it from a secular perspective. And from my opinion, because you don't have to get into theology. You don't have to get into like, oh, you're whatever dispensationalism and mm-hmm. end times. Yeah. You don't have to agree on any of that stuff to yeah. see even just like. Or you're one of those Pentecostal weirdos. You lost me. I'm not yeah. going to listen anymore or whatever it is, you know. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Right. Of course. You yeah. do have a lot of that weird flavor. You know? I mean, and I think that sometimes even Christians can take it too far the other way where there's almost this kind of like, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, I think that we need to be able to just recognize that the Jewish nation has problems like any nation has, yeah. dude. I mean, it's just, that's just, you know, they're going to, there's going to be issues that that they deal with, you know, just like anyone else. Um, you know, our support for the Jewish people in Israel has nothing to do with their behavior. It has everything to do with God's covenant. And so I think that, yeah, that you just need to separate those two, you know? Yeah. It's just like there, there's, there's weird Christians uh, because there's weird groups in every people group. There's weird mm-hmm. Jewish people. There's weird Christians. Mm-hmm. There's weird atheists. There's, and there's also yeah. like normal. I hate to say like normal and weird, but <laughs> you know what we I know mean. What you mean. <laughs> we know what you mean. Yeah. Well, and that that was um, what I was going to ask, which I literally just forgot as I opened my mouth, um, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, but why do you think, oh man, it's going to come back guys. I just know it. Hold on. Let me just talk for a second. <laughs> that's my, that's my, uh, that's my approach. Oh man, you guys. Um, okay. It doesn't matter. We'll keep going. Um, yeah. Specifically with anti-Semitism, I've noticed that's been on the rise, but my, yeah. like, you don't really, I don't know. I don't really need to necessarily ask the question of, why it's there in as far as the world is concerned i mean i mean we can get into that i guess um if you guys have anything you want to point out but specifically i've noticed anti-semitism even in some christian i've seen some proclaiming christians that are anti-semitic i'm like whoa dude like i just first off because of the fear of the lord just wouldn't even utter that like (laughs) i just wouldn't even like wouldn't even mess with that you know but Yeah. yeah I think that we're in a period of like unveiling a lot of things right now, you know, like there's the curtains kind of being lifted back from a lot of, you know, starting, I think probably in 2016, but you know, I mean, it really kind of reached a crescendo in in 2020. Um, And, and a lot of the kind of instigation behind a lot of the evil in the world right now comes down to, you know, what people are saying is kind of this elite, echelon of wealthy Jewish people, you know, and this has kind of been an old idea, you know, but that a lot of the problems that exist right now are because of, you know, wealthy Jews essentially that are moving the strings. And so I think that there's, when I, when I see a lot of these comments online, it's primarily that comment that I just said, you know, it's because they run the banks. It's because they run the Kanye system. West. Kanye but totally, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I, it's like, 
And so you have this kind of, I think that the, the nature of, of people is that they want to find like the scapegoat, right? They want to find the, like the reason why everything is so out of order. Well, um, and we also want to say that because there are like a few problematic people in a group who totally. are standing out that everyone is problematic. Just yeah. like I was saying, okay, we, you get like the problematic Christians and then everybody goes, Oh, see, look, Christians, like, you know, all the new documentaries that have just come out. And it's I like, knew it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, uh, actually yeah. I, I am a believer and I agree with you. Those are problems and that's not yeah. representative of the whole. I think that's part of the problem is people go, oh, look at these, like the, you know, the Rothschilds and they're like, this is all Jews. And it's like, no, that's one family um, uh-huh. and probably not the family either. It's probably yeah. like a little tiny family, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I do that. I think as well, you know I mean? Like if I was God, I mean, it's weird because you can look at like the IQ bell curve and the group that has the highest IQ of any of the people in the world are the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And so you see them like represented, you know, in every field, like they produce more oh, yeah. lawyer, lawyers after doctors, more uh, Nobel Peace Prize winners, no more all like basically look at filmmakers, a lot of filmmakers yeah. who are Jewish. That's right. yeah. And they're producing. So when you see the this, like it, and to me, I'm just, I look at that. I'm like, that's just the blessing of God. Like, you know, he had oh, to figure absolutely. out how to make, make you survive. So you're just like a tiny little bit, like <laughs> you've got this um, just, an edge. <laughs> An edge to things, you know, but then, you know, a lot of you are not walking with the Lord. So you take that edge and that advantage and you're doing bad things with it. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes I mean, you could say that, I think, but it's, I don't know, for me, I just, I, I agree with what Justice is saying is that, you know, you can't, you can't look at a, a few, a few bad actors and say like, this is, this the is whole. indicative of the whole, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What I think too, uh, I remember what I was going to say, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> it was, a, it was about, it was about supporting and, you know, we talked about, you know, supporting Israel. You get lumped in as a Christian nationalist and yada, yada. Where's the line of, I support this nation. I'm supporting the nation of Israel, but then also addressing um, maybe a policy that was bad or something that wasn't good. Right. And, and oh. cause I, I think, you know, we're seeing this even in America where there's sometimes a 100% adherence to one political figure or party or whatever, and you do not criticize anything. Um, I don't think that's healthy. And I think that it is okay oh. to still be in support of something, but yet yeah. go, oh, but I can, I, you know, yeah, we can actually talk about this. And I think honestly, yeah. that lends itself to like bridging the gap between political ideologies even. Um, of being like, yeah, yeah hey, I, I, di- I, di- I agree with you on that. That's a bad call. Let's talk about it, you know? Yeah. And I think both of us would agree that there is a lot of room for improvement oh, totally. in the Israeli government. Totally. Um, for me, like, I just recognize that there's a difference between the, is the Israel as a sovereign nation under God versus their government, yeah. if that makes yeah. sense. yeah, yeah. So um, I don't feel like any sort of loyalty to their government per se, Mm -hmm. outside of the fact that they're creating a place where Jews can live without getting murdered. And it's the only place that's dedicated to that. Uh, Is there a ton of room for improvement? Absolutely. And and many Jews don't believe that their government is even like legitimately under God because, uh, well, we won't get into the but because of the Messiah, basically. And and so there's there's even um yeah. debate amongst the Jewish people, but I think everyone would agree that it's 
it's an objectively better place than it would be if anybody else was ruling it right yeah. now. Uh, but there's still room for growth for and sure. change. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think the line is, is that like, you know, my perspective on the Jewish people in Israel is like, is, a, is the biblical perspective in the Bible. Yeah. And I, I want to yeah. use that same standard to any other issue. You know, it's like, I can, I can support Trump. You know, I totally disagree with his vaccine policy. I think right. I disagree with everything. Oh yeah, dude, said big it. time, big time. Yeah. So like, I still love Trump, but I think that was horrible, you yeah. know? And uh-huh. I, I think that people should call him out on that. And so, yeah. I see similar things with Israel that's just like, Hey, you guys are, I think you're totally out of line with, with reality right now, you know? And so I just think we have to, that, that love or respect for Israel can't supersede God's truth. You know, it has yeah. to always stand. Yeah. That truth. So good. Love that. Yeah. That's huge. Um, well, uh, why, uh, so why, you know, you mentioned the Messiah, all that. Uh, oh, before I go to that, I was talking to my my Israeli friend that lives in Israel, and we when we were there, and my wife and I hung out with her, and she was talking about policy, and she was talking about, um, you know, she's definitely more conservative leaning, and she was saying Israel is the most con- most organized mess in the world. Yeah, um, that's that's true. What she was saying about, I thought that was kind of funny, but she was also yeah. addressing even like, you know, obviously she's Israeli, she supports the the nation, but even has her own issues with a lot of the, yeah. the way that things are run sometimes politically as well. Um, she said there's a lot of bureaucracy and a, a lot of, yeah. you know, um, things like that. Yeah. So they have a lot of corruption too. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of the same, uh, you know, rot that seems to happen in positions of power mm-hmm. existing in Israel too. You know I mean? You can, yeah, go, it's what's, like a worldwide issue though, you know, it's like a worldwide it's, issue, you know? Yeah, it's the heart totally. of man. Yeah. It really is. And it's, it's an unyielded heart to God that creates yeah. space for that. You know, I was mm-hmm. shocked being in Israel, how, uh, how evil it felt sometimes. I don't know any other way to say it. Like there's all, yeah. all this amazing stuff, but then, you know, you'll see a pride parade go through like Jerusalem or you, and you're like, man, that's shocking to me. Like I just never, <laughs> I mean, I just can't even imagine how some of like the, especially like the Orthodox Jews re- reacting to yes. that, man. Jeez. Just seeing this like, you know, this, this massive energy of both these people coming together. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you're like, man, this, how is this like God's people? But what's crazy about a lot of the prophetic stuff, you know, and we could talk more about this, but you know, I mean, Ezekiel 36, 37, you know, when God says, I'm going to bring you back, you know, basically like when I restore you, you're going to look like he actually uses the name, um, the rags that they would use to clean up after a period and the afterbirth, um, he uses this very disgusting picture in many ways to describe how Israel was going to be when he brought them back to the land. Whoa. And you see that, you see that reality. But then just like in, you know, Ezekiel 36 and 37, everyone probably knows it. It's the Valley of the Dry Bones where, you know, God basically is asking Ezekiel, Hey, can these bones live? Hmm. You know, in the charismatic and prophetic circles, you see people use this analogy all the time. But the real analogy that it was actually like the story that was he was talking to Ezekiel about, about was the future restoration of, of the land of Israel. And so most of the Jewish sages, I would agree with this analogy or this uh, interpretation of Ezekiel 36 and 37 was that after the Holocaust, you know, there was just basically like nothing left of the Jewish people. Hebrew had been not spoken for something like 2000 years. What's what's crazy about Hebrew as a language, by the way, is that it's the only language that's been totally dead and come back alive as as a language. 
So you have basically this group of people that had just been through the Holocaust, um, you know, coming back to Israel, coming back to the land of Israel and rebuilding it into the nation that it is now. And so with Ezekiel 36, 37, you know, he's basically asking Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's like, only, you know, Lord, <laughs> he asked him mm-hmm. like three or four times. Um, but then he starts talking about how, you know, not only are these bones going to live, I'm going to like bring them back to life. And then I'm going to put Dude. like skin marrow on them. And yeah. then I'm going to basically what's, what's crazy about this is the last thing that happens is like, then I will breathe my breath into their heart. And I believe that that's going to be when the veil is removed from their eyes and they can spiritually see the Messiah. Yeah. So I'm very excited. I think the Ezekiel 36, 37 prophecy is, is a prophecy about their future recognition of Jesus as the Messiah. Mm-hmm. It starts with them being built as a nation, as a people in the physical reality, but then it's going to go over to the spiritual. And so Dude, I think that, that come on, I think we're obsessed with seeing something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Well, why did they miss the Messiah? I saw that as another point, but this is a great segue into yeah. that. Like, why why are the Jews still missing the Messiah? Yeah. And I know that there I, are a I lot think... of Jews that are that are getting that revelation. Well, I think one yeah. for Israel is a great channel on YouTube. They're a great channel. They're amazing. Yeah. I think there's twenty five thousand Jews, Messianic Jews, out of a seven or eight million person nation in Israel. So there's 8 million Jews, I think was the last count that I, I saw 25,000 of those are messianic Jews, which are Jews that believe in Jesus. So it's actually not a huge, a massive number, oh. but there's two, I think there's two things that uh, are important to kind of look at when, when you ask that question of why did they miss the Messiah in, in Jewish understanding? There were, there were two actual prophetic pictures that were often talked about. One was called Messiah ben Yosef. And the other one was called Messiah ben David. Messiah ben Yosef was this idea of a suffering servant. Because what happened to Joseph? He was sold into slavery. He went down into Egypt. You know, he suffered, then he became the king. But Messiah Messiah ben David was this figure that was going to rule. And so when you look at when Jesus came, they were under Roman rule at the time. You know, they were basically slaves to, to Rome, more or less. And so they were looking for a messianic figure who was going to free them from the hand of the Roman rule. And so that's one of the main things that they were looking for as a culture. So when Jesus comes and he dies, they, they didn't recognize that as the messianic thing that they were looking for. And I think that's one of the the narratives that was going on at the time. But I think the bigger issue, actually Paul talks about Romans 11, when he says that for the sake of the Gentiles, they have been temporarily blinded. God has put in a veil over their eyes so that they did not recognize the Messiah. Um, And I think that this is really kind of an interesting idea um, that they would be actually spiritually blinded temporarily um, so that the gospel would go to the entire world. And then when that happens, Paul talks about that veil will be removed from their eyes. It's actually a really beautiful chapter in Romans 11. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a metaphor of the actual Joseph story, which is really, really, really interesting. So you look at the parallels between Joseph and Jesus. Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. Jesus is turned over to the, to the Romans by his brothers. They both kind of mean something evil in what they're doing. Right. Um, with Joseph's story, he becomes, you know, basically the head of Egypt. They come down from Egypt or from Israel and they don't recognize Joseph anymore right when they're when they come down to get the food from from egypt when the land of canaan is in a fam is in a famine they come down they are trying to get food from joseph not recognizing that this is their brother right and so he reveals himself to them and they realize wow this is the person so it's the same thing with jesus that they have turned him over to the romans 
not recognizing that he has saved them yet, you know, but there's going to be a reconciliation where the brothers, which are going to be the actual like Jewish people recognize the one whom they have pierced. So there's kind of this beautiful parallel where Jesus yeah. is going to reveal himself to the Jewish people the same way that Joseph revealed himself to his brothers when they came and, and he basically saved their lives. And so mm. there's, there's kind of a parallel there that I think we're right on the cusp of, yeah. which I'm mm. really excited about. That's so and cool, I have, dude. <laughs> I have thoughts about, you know, I have different theories about why they are still missing him to this day. I mean, I think yeah. clearly it's like a huge part of what you're saying is God actually putting a veil over their eyes. Um, I also think that, you know, and I don't, I don't really know what the solution is to this yet, but I feel like it's something that, you know, when we're talking about the mountain of religion or the area culture of religion, when we're talking about the seven mountains, this is to me part of the transformation that needs to happen. But Jewish people live a very rich life of community together. Mm-hmm. They have, um, these completely self-sufficient communities where a they kibbutz? Is it like kibbutz? yeah, the kibbutz. well, there's there's kibbutz. that too, but I mean, yeah, that's and, and that's that's one uh, one example. But even I mean, even in the United States, if you go to like your your big cities in the nation, there's always a Jewish area where all of the Orthodox Jews live, and you've got people where you know you're all living the same values. Mm-hmm. You're even outside of um, of theology, they'll even have like community standards that they just all agreed on so that they can all be safe, sending their kids to each other's houses and having them schooled together and cooking food in each other's homes, knowing what each other eats, all these things. I mean, that is like, that's something that I personally crave is this, like this intimate community with people who, who believe what you believe in where you're having a shared common goal. Mm -hmm. And I think we haven't had that to offer. Um, we don't have like an alternative to, to that. If they turn from that, they're losing not only their, you know, the faith that they've lived their entire lives, but they're, they're losing this incredible community. And so I think we have work to do as believers in like, I, I really think that God has something just as rich and beautiful for us um, where we're, we're living together and having that closeness and having like-minded people surrounding us, living in community, supporting each other. You know, um, I, I really don't think that we're meant to do like life so hyper independently the way that we do currently yeah. in this culture. And so I think that's something we've got to like take on as believers. How can we make our faith more attractive to the Jewish people by getting more biblical about our faith, not by like yeah. creating, you know, talking about, you know, mm-hmm my like empty religion but but by actually going back to some of our foundational um, beliefs and clinging to yeah values. well i think too you know because there is a lot of especially western uh lifestyle is very isolated in terms of going and living on your own and all of that and you know i can even look back on you know i, I think about mental health being a big issue yeah. with a lot of young people and i remember when i was in ywam for several years and being in community like that i didn't i didn't struggle with with it like i think a lot of my friends did that weren't in ywam um and so there's something to be said about that too you know just that yeah that being in a community like that and having people to turn to and walk through things with and 
do life with as people say uh yeah. this yeah. I, I, I agree justice yeah that's good yeah, yeah. I think that there's, you know, scripture actually talks about how one of the roles of, of the believers, and it's it's kind of interesting because, do you know when uh, when Jacob, you know, obviously Jacob kind of uh, usurps Esau in the story of Jacob and Esau to get the blessing from from his father. You know, he was not the firstborn, but he, he basically tricks Esau to get um, Isaac to bless him. And then you have the story of of Joseph when he is trying to, you know, he's trying to get Jacob to bless uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, and you know he he crosses his hands, blessing the 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 second before the first, you know. And in that culture, when he would give a blessing, he would give a blessing of the firstborn. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, Israel was the and the Jewish people were the firstborn in the spirit, but now these the gentile nations have kind of come in and we've recognized the messiah before they have and in some ways the blessing of the messiah came to the gentile nations before it came to mm. the jewish people israel because of the veil and the hardness of heart that romans 11 talks about but god talks about how he's going to redeem this and what but one of the things that he says the role that we're supposed to play in receiving this kind of awareness of who jesus is is that we are supposed to drive the jewish people to jealousy i think that's an interesting way to say that that our faith is supposed to them to jealousy and so i think with what justice is saying is that there is a motivation in our faith there's something in our faith that should inspire them to jealousy yeah. somehow and so i think yeah there's something interesting about that for yeah. sure yeah well um i guess as we're kind of closing up i wanted to hit on this other point because i think it's really really an important one it says how is christians how we as christians sh- how as christians should we think about the palestinians <laughs> and other arab nations um, yeah. I think it's an important issue to hit because, you know, you had mentioned, Chris, about how God has covenants with, uh, you know, with them as well as, as promises yeah. towards them yeah. as well. So uh, talk about that. You want to tell the Joseph story being sold in the. All right. You, you got to tell it because you're going to okay. tell it. You're going to remember better than me. Well, so one of the things that in Hebrew, when it talks about, um, you know, when the angel of the Lord comes to, I think it's Haggai. After Hagar. Hagar, after she's been kicked out of the camp, you know, Hagar is uh, the um, concubine. concubine of Abraham, right? He's not having kids with Sarah after all this time. So he goes to, to Hagar. They have a children. They have a child together, Ishmael. Um, basically, Hagar and Ishmael get kicked out of Abraham's camp, right? And then the angel of the Lord actually comes to, to Hagar and, she, and he gives her this whole promise about Ishmael. In Hebrew, one of the things that it says is that Ishmael will be a great trader, which is kind of an interesting thing to say when you, especially when you know the Arab people, like they're very like trading, financially driven. Like there's there's all of this in their in their story, but right after the story is the story of Joseph, where it says that Joseph was bought from his brothers by a group of Ishmaelites and taken down to Egypt. So in the story of Joseph, you have the prophecy of them being traders with the life of Joseph to bring him down to Egypt, which is just crazy. So mm-hmm. along with that is this whole idea that Ishmael will be a great nation, you know, that he'll be more numerous than, than any other people. You know, and it, it talks about all of this stuff related to Ishmael that God has basically promised Ishmael, you know? And so there are, I think that there are ways that we can look at this and say, you know, 
there's there are absolutely promises and, and things for the Arab nations as well. They're just not the same ones that God has given Israel, you know. And mm-hmm. and likewise, the promises that God has given Ishmael are not promises that belong to Israel or Jewish people. And so, you know, I think that for us, the best way that we can honor um, really any person is to bring our own hearts and minds into reality, which, you know, the way that I define reality is God's truth. You know, that that is reality. And so, um, you know, I think that going into this, just knowing that, like, God loves the Palestinian people. God loves mm-hmm. the Arab nation. He has purposes. He has plans. He, he wants to reveal himself to them in the same way that he wants to reveal himself to the Jewish people. This is not a matter of one people group being better than the other. You know, it's just literally a matter of they both have different callings, you know? Yeah. I think also, um, and maybe, maybe this is something you can or cannot relate with, but I had like subconsciously this idea that you have the Jews who are God's chosen people. And then you have the Gentiles were grafted in. And then you have the Muslims as if they're not a part of either of those groups, uh, but yeah. But they are, they're part of the Gentiles. Like we are all Gentiles together. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they're part of who is grafted in with us. Yeah. And they're they're people who yeah. God has a purpose for and a desire for, who he has a love for, who he desires to be united with again. And so I think it's really important to have like a compassionate perspective on the Arab people, mm-hmm. on Muslims, because they're they're people that they're also God's children. Yeah, they're also absolutely. people that he mm-hmm. he desires to with he desires to be close with again and um in the same way he does with us yeah. so it, it's they're not like this it, they're not evil people they're no. not they're not the bad guys maybe some of them are evil evil just like there are some christians who are partnered with evil we'll uh-huh. say nominally christian um it's some jews who are partnered totally. with evil uh but but that does not mean that the whole is that um there are obviously super damaging beliefs in like fundamentalist islam um where you're literally like committing genocide against people groups and that's yeah that's a problem yeah. but that's not a problem right. with a people that's a part uh, that's a problem with a yeah. belief system that's really so. important to point out yeah and I think yeah, I'll just add to that. the only time that i've seen sorry i'll just add this really quick thing the only no, time you're getting real reconciliation is when you have messianic jews and arab christians like worshiping together like that mm. i really believe that it's jesus that's going to bring peace to the middle east i i like it's the only time i've seen those two groups of people connect and really act in some kind of brotherhood for the most part you know yeah is through that connection of jesus yeah man just like honestly like one of my old mentors was a messianic jew and i mean dude like they're awesome. Like, like when they like, cause they have all of the, like he went to Hebrew school and all of that. So he's got that knowledge and then uh, the weight and the burden of that knowledge and then me- meshing into the new covenant. It's just like yes. every single time you would talk, we're all just like <laughs> glued to the edge of our seats, you know? It's like, um, it's like sitting under a giant oak tree that has this deep root system. Uh, like it really moves. Like, yes, that's right. Yeah. And then even like, I have a couple of um, Arab friends who are Christians as well. And they're just like fiery, man. Um, And so, I mean, everyone from that area of the world, just man, so awesome. Yeah. Um, And that's something that I always talk about with people um, having done some international travel myself over the years. 
of just like I always tell people, I'm like, you need to get out of the country at least once. And I'm not talking like go to like, oh, I went yeah. to I went I went down to to, uh, yeah. to the Baja Peninsula for the day to have some tacos <laughs> and Tijuana, you know, like um, yeah. and then I came back, you know, um, I mean, go go somewhere and and go somewhere where you can actually see a a very different uh, worldview and mindset. And it really puts things into perspective. Number one about like really getting to see, um, you know, having gone to different places where rights aren't as they're not as free of nations, um, especially China. Um, And then going to places and having that contrast and then seeing Israel and being like, no dude, like people, people be tripping. You know, it's just yeah. a bunch of like propaganda yet again. I think it's so important to get that perspective. Um, and, you know, the same is said about even like um, having gone to places where there's heavy Muslim populations. Like, they're amazing people. God loves them. They're so hospitable. Oh. And it's like, they're awesome. Oh, so yeah, so. that's true. I mean, and, I mean, there's just amazing stories in the Arab nations about God visiting and these crazy dreams, you know, and just, yeah you know, the underground church in Iran. I mean, there's just like, there's just, there might, the Arab nations might be where like the most conversion to Jesus in supernatural ways is happening anywhere in the world right now. You know, like God is so active right now. And so I think that's, that's just, that's amazing, you know? And I I think that, yeah, I I just, I don't think it, I don't think you, I don't think to be pro-Israel means you have to be anti-Palestinian or anti-Arab. You should be pro both groups you know and so i think yeah. that that's just have to approach it like that pro jesus loves you that's what we should do. <laughs> yeah right. yeah well um can you guys do me a favor i would love for you guys to just i guess i don't know lead a prayer in um for the nation of israel you can even pray for uh, the arab nations as well but would you just mind leading us in a prayer for yeah. that i think it'd be awesome i'll start you can no, finish no, you go you go just me okay yeah. come on you got this Lord, we just thank you so much for for your people and for the example that they are to all of us of just your steadfastness, um, your faithfulness, your supernatural miracle working ways. Um, I just ask that you would give everyone just a heart for your people, a heart for your nation. That you would help us even to parse through um, theological issues in a way that's honoring to you. Even if there's things that Chris and I miss, Lord, that you would just bring truth and you would bring clarity as it relates to to all of these issues, that, that you would bring peace to Jerusalem, that you would bring peace to your city, and that you would bring freedom to the Palestinians and, mm-hmm. and freedom to all the Middle Eastern nations, Lord, that Israel would be like a lighthouse, an example to the rest of the world, but especially the Arab nations, of what it can look like to have your supernatural blessing mm-hmm. um, working through through a government. And we just ask that you you would yeah continue to bring your peace to Jerusalem, continue to bring your peace to your people, continue to work miracles to sustain to sustain Israel and your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right, so you guys have an Instagram in tandem. You guys are doing it together. Yeah. What what kind of what what's the situation with that? You guys are also going to be doing a podcast or something like that. What? Tell yeah, me we have a show. That. Um, show. Um, yeah, we have a show that's coming out on Restore7.tv, which is going to be the URL, um, and that's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. We do have an Instagram. We were, were we, we just went through a move, and we're a little bit like uh, 
Just we need to do more. We need to be more active on it, but we are. We're we're about to get very active on it, but um, you know, we're yeah, that's going to be the primarily thing I think we're using. Yeah, just as a book coming yeah, that's out. What I was oh my say, gosh, I'm so excited! What about... coming out? It's the work. This is this is just kind of a teaser because we don't have a a date yet for mm-hmm. it, but it's basically complete. And it's called, am I, can I say the yeah. title? Um, I'm like, what am I allowed to share? It's called uh, Feminist to Feminine. And so I share okay. a lot of my journey uh, going from being slightly radicalized feminist <laughs> to, to now embracing like what I would call biblical femininity and, and just God's design mm-hmm. for womanhood. But I include a lot of history about the feminist movement. I include um, there's, there's, it doesn't, it doesn't flow like a normal book. There's sections and different, um, topics that just relate to our different identities that we exist in as women, as we're, we're first daughters, we're daughters of God and daughters of our parents for better, or for worse. Um, and we are sisters to the other women in the world. We have, we share sisterhood and then we are, um, you know, maybe wives and for, for many women, but also mothers. We're, we're mothers, whether we have biological children or not. That's like God's calling for all women is to be spiritual mothers. Um, and so there's a lot of journaling pages. It's going to be like a very interactive book. And I'm awesome. super excited about it. Because if you're a woman, you should definitely get this. Or if you know a woman, which you definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really hoping yeah. <laughs> uh, be a, a uniting book for, for women of all different um, faith tradition backgrounds within Christianity, not just yeah. Um, our charismatic world. So I'm, I'm really excited to see like who it brings together. And yeah. it's also a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big deal. That's yeah. awesome though, Justice. Congratulations. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm so yeah. Awesome. So yeah, follow us on our Instagram, then you, yeah. you'll yeah, know when it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> and then do you guys have an official release date of the um, restore7.tv? I believe it's called. Yeah. Do you have an official? That's actually the URL and everything. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be out in a couple weeks. I mean, uh, it, technically we're doing a soft launch this weekend actually. Um, but I'm like, <laughs> but our official release will be sometime uh, in July. Awesome. And I'm sure Johnny will point it out on Elijah's dreams oh, yeah. too. Because you know, yeah. he's there every week. So <laughs> yeah. So uh guys, thank you so much. This was really great. Yeah. Uh, just a great conversation about Israel. I definitely I was taking notes. Just um, you know, there's some there's some tender morsels in there, you guys. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having so, us on. Thanks man. So we appreciate much. it. Absolutely, absolutely. So guys. That is it for us this week. It's 4th of July. Freedom, fireworks, barbecue. Um, Guys, we love you. And uh, again, we're off on Monday and Tuesday, 3rd and 4th. Uh, We're going to be back on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time with Raymond Trainer. We're going to be talking about home churches. We did the survey. You guys threw in the other. You said, I want to know about home churches. What do I do? So we're going to be talking about that and all of its juicy details. Very excited about that. So that's going to be at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. God bless you guys. We'll see you on Wednesday. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.